Northwest Christian School Online provides online Christian education for any students ranging from kindergarten to 10th grade. The tuition is fully covered through the state of Arizona's ESA program and is affordable for families out of state. You can count on NCS Online for a rigorous, proven online program that establishes a robust biblical worldview for all students. For more information, go to ncsonline.org. That's ncsonline.org. They're trying to meet a spiritual need with something besides God. Because every other religion is a give and take. As long as you have breath in your lungs right now, there's hope. Gee, happy President's Day. Happy President's Day to you, Mr. Brown. February 20th, we are flying through the school year. Um, yeah. Hard to believe it's uh, the tail end of February. And we just wrapped up a four-day weekend. Yes. That was pretty nice. And uh, I'll, I'll be at camp this weekend. Um, That's the right. The President's Day weekend, speaking up at Lost Canyon. Um, 450 middle school students. Um, should be Love a, Should it. be a blast. Yeah. Hopefully we get some snow up there. And uh, and hope you all enjoy a four day weekend. Though students had Friday off, and but President's and Day. So, gee, if yeah. you had to choose a favorite president, looking yeah. over all the presidents that yeah. have served this country so well, that's a good question. Who would be your favorite president? Well, I, you know, Abraham Lincoln's probably the the easy go to, right? You know, uh-huh. I appreciate him and his uh, standing up for what was right. And uh, I, I would probably say my favorite president, and not politically. You know, with Ronald Reagan, mm. um, just because that's kind of the first president I remember. Yeah. Um, I was, I remember when I was eight years old and in school and we got news that he had been shot. And wow. I remember my teacher crying and uh, I remember being sent home. They sent us all home wow. uh, from school. And so we just walked home. All these little kids <laughs> just walked home at like whenever, whenever he was Things shot. Have changed, so, yeah. They? How about you, Mr. Brown? I, I don't know. I would say I remember when, when Reagan when that assassination attempt was made too. And I just remember how unsettling it was because you fall into routine Mm -hmm. as a young person and you draw a certain amount of comfort to it. I remember getting on the bus at the end of the day and the radio was, was blaring and it never is. Yeah. It was never, the radio was never on. And, and I'm like, what's going on? The bus driver said, the president's been shot. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa, you don't even realize sometimes when you're a young person, you don't even realize something like that's even a possibility living in this great nation of ours. And then and, uh, isn't there a great story to him? Like, you know, he said he forgot to duck or something. <laughs> he should have ducked um, uh, when he got shot. Yeah, so. he's, he was a tough trooper. You yeah. know who else? If I had to pick a favorite, and yeah. I don't know politically, yeah. but Teddy Roosevelt. Oh. He was a tough trooper, too. Yeah. Goodness. The rough rider. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I remember reading a couple of biographies about him when I was in, in elementary school. He was a fascinating character. Well, didn't he found the national parks? Isn't yep. that something that's very big on, on big your deal. list and oh. big deal to me, too, is yeah. the national parks? So. Love it. Yeah. You know, you want to talk about rough characters. I want to welcome oh. our special guest today. How do you like that, Vin? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh, no, that's a great answer. <laughs> I mean, compared to Teddy Roosevelt, it's pretty good. No, there you cool. go. Yeah, that's yeah cool. I'm comparing you to Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, but Vincent McReynolds is our, our guest today on Kingdom Culture Conversations. And, and man, Vincent, I'm so happy to, to have you on. You are, you know, if Teddy Roosevelt is a fascinating character with a great story, Vin is, yeah. is much the same. Yeah. You've, got a, you've got a great, great story. And uh, I think that's where I'd kind of like to jump off with you, Vin. If, if you wouldn't mind, um, tell us a little bit about your, your story. How did you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? What does that journey of faith look like for you? Well, shoot. Uh, 
how much time do I got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Jesus has been chasing me my whole life. I used to take pride in being the tough guy in the block. I used to think that uh, I didn't need anyone. I could take care of things on my own. Uh, my brother-in-law, before he became my brother-in-law, he used to joke around, and I took pride in what he said. And he said, if I ever need to bury a body, I would call you. Wow. So. <laughs> That's a, the That's ultimate a compliment. compliment. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, uh, joking aside, I, I, I was taking pride in all the wrong things. I was, uh, I grew up in a Buddhist household. Uh, my mother is Vietnamese, and uh, my father's Irish, so I'm Vietnamese and Irish. And uh, they met in the Vietnam War and, and came to the United States. I was born in California, and uh, I was a delinquent most of my life. Mm. Uh, I had two older brothers. I, I went by their example, um, and we didn't like to follow the rules. If there was a rule, we would break it just because it was a rule, not because we uh, disagreed with it. It was just... Uh, it stood in our way. It, 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 it prevented us from doing what we wanted to do. And so most of my life growing up was doing what I wanted to do, pursuing my own selfish desires. Now, that runs contrary to Buddhism. And yeah. So was that was Buddhism a prominent force in your home at that time? Or oh, I, I didn't say I was Buddhist. I was raised in a Buddhist home. Okay. <laughs> my mother was Buddhist. Uh, so Buddhism is interesting. Some people will say it's not even a religion. Um, I think it is when you're talking about reincarnation you're talking about what happens after you die i think you've hit religion territory um but ultimately the people who argue against it being a religion would call it a way of life a way of living your life so that you don't harm others um and i would agree with that for the most part except for the reincarnation they claim to not acknowledge a higher power and in by they, I, let me let me say it's very broad paintbrush I'm 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 using here. Uh, there's many different uh, types of Buddhists out there. One sect is going to be different than another sect. Um, but the one that my mother was involved with was called Vo V. It's a Vietnamese sect that uh, she had a master and he was the teacher. And it's very interesting the parallels as I started to get into the Bible people would call Jesus master and he was a teacher and, uh, and how she would, uh, I would watch her burn incense as an offering. And then I'm reading the old Testament, how people would burn sweet smelling scents to God. And then I'm, I'm listening, I'm watching her, uh, present the offerings, uh, to these, these spirits, these guardians of the buildings. Um, and so, uh, when I read about that in the Old Testament, and then later I think it's maybe Colossians, I don't know. But uh, Paul starts talking about it's okay for you to eat the offering. So I, I can relate. I know what the offering is. I've seen the offering. We, we would, we, when we were going to have a special holiday for, for Vietnamese, uh, like Tet or something like that, which is the Vietnamese New Year, which is the same as Chinese New Year, uh, except I think the rabbit changes into a cat. But, <laughs> if but you got you got so in your home you've got this baseline of spirituality. Oh yeah. Whether it was it, it wasn't biblical in, in its root, but it was a baseline for spirituality. But you went AWOL. Yeah, I, I absolutely understood good and bad. I understood that that there's like evil spirits out there. I understood that uh, uh, 
the things that we do have consequences. Um, the way my mom would teach consequences to me is that the, uh, the things that I did would come back to me, karma style. Mm. And, uh, and it doesn't even have to be karma in this life. It could be karma in the reincarnation oh. life. So then uh, if I was to, to take hook, line, and sinker, everything that she told me, I would say, well, I'm willing to pay that price in the next life. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's on somebody else now. <laughs> I'll just put but, it on my future self. What yeah. kind of tension was that in the house? So if mom's pretty Buddhist and you're Great running away, did that create a lot of tension with you and your mom? Oh, yeah, we uh, we fought a lot, um, but you know, I I keep remembering something that she told me. <laughs> Uh, and it stuck with me. Uh, she said, if I didn't care so much, it was the most honest I think she's ever been to me. I wouldn't yell at you so much. And, uh, and that stuck with me because she was honest all the time. Uh, and, and I used to think, why doesn't she just leave us alone? And then a friend of mine said, you know what? Your mom really scares me. And you know what really, really scares me about her? I said, what? He said, when she's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It's kind of a coaching philosophy. If a coach isn't yelling at you, he's probably giving up on you. <laughs> I can see that. So when uh, when I came to Christ, it uh, well, actually, you sent me some questions last night to look over, and that was the first question. I was like, seriously, I said, how much time do I have here? <laughs> um, but let, let me just sum up by saying I grew up. I didn't have faith in any higher power. I, you can call me agnostic. I realized that there was a God. I realized from what my mom taught me that there are spirits out there and that uh, they could harm me. Um, so it made me fearful of the dark growing up. I, I mean, there'd be spirits behind every tree. She would tell me stories in Vietnam where babies would get kidnapped by dark spirits. And, oh, man, wow. you know, it, it's just the culture she grew up in. Uh, she grew up in, in, in South Vietnam and uh, that's that's how she was raised, and so that's how she taught me. Oh. And so I, I grew up fearful of, of the unseen world. And now, all these years later, you're getting ready to graduate from Phoenix Seminary, and you're going to take your kids to Vietnam uh, at some point in the next year. Yeah, yeah. So I That'll want my neat. I want my children to see how people live in different parts of the world. Um, I remember the first time I went to Vietnam. Uh, I'm a professional chef by, by trade. I, I've worked in very fine dining establishments, and I went there, and uh, I was going to help them cook. And their cutting boards are on the ground, and they're squatting, and they're just chopping on the ground. And um, I, I, it just blew my mind. There was no, no health code regulations or anything. <laughs> <It> was, <Wow. laughs> and then because uh, they, they have a society where the women are supposed to be in the kitchen, and... Uh, to be a male who knew how to cook, wanting to involve himself in the kitchen, it was, it was, they shooed me out, let the women do the cooking. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So it was, and it's not like that throughout, but it's just understood in general. You know, uh, the men, uh, what I've observed when I went there was the men would, would basically uh, do whatever they want with free reign to run the household, but the women were always really in the background running things. <laughs> so, so you grow up in a home. There's a baseline for spirituality, and at some point in that journey, you fell into addiction. Yeah, I went to a public school, uh, Flag High, 
And uh, my friends were all, uh, they would they would get into different drugs and stuff, and they'd share drugs with me. And so uh, after about a year or so, I stopped doing any drugs of any sort. And I never really liked it, but uh, there was one drug in particular that had a strong pull on me, and that was methamphetamines. Mm. Uh, but after I finally, with strong will, gave it up, and then I met my wife, she asked me when we got engaged, is there anything I need to know about you? And I said, well, in high school, I, uh, I was addicted to methamphetamines, but don't you worry. I will never do it again. I mean, it would take someone knocking on my front door with a bag of meth in their hands and say, let's do some drugs for me to ever even consider doing it again. So don't worry. Well, the devil must have been listening. <laughs> yeah. So she takes a vacation. We're well into our marriage. I think uh, 12 years into our marriage. Uh, and uh, my brother knocks on the door saying, your wife's out of town and he's got a big bag of drugs. Wow. So uh, almost three and a half, four years later, I'm at the end of my rope. I've, I've, I've hit the end of the road. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but... Uh, there's a parallel like the road to Emmaus, which is in the Bible. It's uh, it's where people came to the realization that they were walking with Jesus. And Jesus has been chasing me my whole life, and I didn't even know it. Wow. And so I'm in a parking lot, and I'm deciding, do I go and buy drugs with this big wad of cash in my pocket? Well, let me, let me back you up for just a minute. I'm just curious because I think part of what— What's on my heart to do today is to communicate to, to those that may be listening that mm -hmm. are, are struggling with addiction in various forms, and we'll talk about that mm -hmm. in a minute. But when when your wife came back from vacation, did you conceal the addiction? Was it apparent right out of the gates that you had, had slipped off the wagon, that you were back into to meth, or, or how did that how did that unfold? Wow, your percept is percept. <laughs> your perception I'm on things is man. is, is you hit the nail on the head. I was hiding everything, mm. um, and I think that's what most sinners do in general. Yeah. But to bring it to myself, I I was ashamed of what I was doing. I wanted to hide what I was up to. I wanted to act like everything was normal, but I had this huge temper. I couldn't even get it, my hands on it. I was out of control. Uh, the littlest thing would set me off. And when you put a foreign chemical into your body, you get an imbalance. And uh, the, the, the things I would snap at were just ridiculous. Um, no self-control. Uh, now, I'm not blaming the drugs for all the horrible things I said and did. But I am saying that it does help to remove the inhibitions when you have that chemical in your body. Uh, the things that a person might normally say, well, that's unacceptable. I shouldn't do it. With drugs introduced into your body, you start thinking, well, I can do anything, and it's okay, and you don't care who you hurt. So it almost numbs your emotions to the way that you affect other people. Wow. And uh, you convince yourself, you lie to yourself that uh, this drug is helping you, and it's, it's, it's the ultimate deceit. You, uh, you fall deeper into this dark hole, this abyss that you can't get out of, and to the point where you, you're either going to die or you're going to cry out for help. And that's when I cried out for help. And I looked at the sky, and I said, God, help me. 
Now this is fast forward back to that yeah. parking lot. Yeah. So I'm in this parking lot and I ask I ask God for help. Me and my wife had fought that morning viciously, uh, arguing and yelling, and um, I knew our marriage was just about over. And that's why I looked I looked to the sky and I said, God, if you're there, I, I could use some help. Show me a sign. Show me a sign, and I'll change. I promise you, I'll change. And sure enough, I got a sign, uh, undeniably from God. That was so coincidental, I couldn't even make it up. I looked down after I looked at the sky, and I saw this white cat. And I'm in the middle of this huge parking lot, and there was no bushes or any around or anything, and there was no cat near me when I parked. It was a white cat, pure white, and it's just sitting there looking at me. And I thought to myself, I must be hallucinating. I must need drugs now. And I look down at the cat, and the cat's just sitting there looking up at me. And I look up at the sky, and I said, really, God, really? I hate cats. <laughs> you know, I'm allergic to cats. They bother me. But then when I looked back down on the ground, the cat was gone. So I said, well, surely I'm, I'm on drugs. I, I, I'm coming down. You know, so I looked under my truck. I looked around my truck. I looked everywhere. The cat was gone like it was never there. And then for a half a second, I thought, well, it's just a coincidence. I'm just seeing things. But then I remembered what I said right when I saw the cat. I said, give me a sign, and I promise you, God, I'll change. And I was like, well, maybe that was it. That's the dumbest sign I've ever seen, but I'm going to take it. So I drive home. I, I still have the water cash in my pocket. I don't buy drugs. It was actually the last time I ever called a drug dealer. Um, but uh, I walk into the front door, and I see my wife. and uh, she, she didn't look like she was happy to see me. And uh, she's the sweetest, sweetest wife um, before I was on drugs. Uh, she was raised Christian. Uh, I remember when we got engaged, she said... Uh, are you Christian? It was like a prerequisite question. And I thought to myself, she is just gorgeous. There's only one answer I can give her. Yes, I'm Christian. And I wasn't. I lied through my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I thought to myself, if I told her the truth, she's, she's going to let me go. She's going to go find someone else. I have to tell her I'm a Christian. So for, for most of our marriage, I'd go to church on Sundays, and all I would do is fall asleep. I remember my, my wife would elbow me. She'd kick me, anything to keep me awake. Um, but of course my heart wasn't there, so I wasn't interested in what was being said. But, uh, I mean, to me, she was just a blessing in my life and the way I treated her was horrible. So I walked up to her after this, this encounter with this strange white cat and I said, sweetie, today I'm changing. And she looks at me and she says, whatever, I don't care. Wow. And, uh, and, and months go by. I'm, I'm reading the Bible, and the Bible is the most interesting thing in the world. I am glued to it, and then I'm looking at, well, what's this version versus this version? Then I start collecting Bibles and reading them all. Um, I remember the first month I read through the whole Bible, it was uh, Peterson, Eugene Peterson's The Message. And then I was like, wow. well, okay, well, that's a paraphrased Bible. Let's see what the real words say. So I was so interested in that, I picked up the, uh, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which is now, I think, just called the Christian Standard Bible. And then I started reading the NIV. Then I started reading the ESV. I read them all just to see what was going on. And I didn't even know who Jesus was, except from what my wife told me about him. 
I actually read from the new from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament until I figured out that everybody was waiting for Jesus in the New Testament. Then I came to know Jesus through the Bible, um, a Power. real relationship. Yeah. And uh, six months later, my wife comes up to me and uh, she says, "She says I got to tell you something. I, I've seen a change in you." And I, Remember when you came home and you told me you changed? And I said, whatever. And I said, I remember that like yesterday. And she said, I didn't believe you, but uh, I prayed that day. And I said, and I interrupted her. I said, I prayed that day too. And so I went and I told her this, this ridiculous story about some strange cat. And I finished after I had interrupted her. And she said, I... I'm glad you told me that story, but let me tell you my prayer. Because she's a strong Christian. She said she, she prayed that God would somehow help her to, to dissolve the marriage so she can get out of her commitment with me. Wow. And then she, wow. got this, she got this very strong answer from God, this feeling in her heart that, no, he wasn't going to do that. So then she had a second prayer. And she said, God, if you're not going to release me from my commitment... Can you kill him? Can you just let him die? Can, can he drive the kids to school and get hit by a car? Can you just kill him? I was that horrible to her where the most gentle, most sweetest woman I have ever met just wanted me dead. And then she looks at me telling me this story and my heart is crushed. And I can't believe that I just heard her say that after reading and reading the Bible, thinking that God is a God of restoration. And my wife just wants me dead. And then she looks at me and she says, you died that day. Oh. He answered my prayer and he answered your prayer. The old man died. Yeah. Behold, all things have become new. Wow. Yeah. An amazing, amazing story. Um, and I want to I want to go from here. Uh, believe it or not, it it the story continues. Yeah. Uh, but I want to hit the pause button, and uh, I'd love to. I mean, there's enough to think about in that story uh, to last Absolutely. a lifetime. But I'd like to hit the pause button, and we'll put a wrap on this particular episode today, and we'll come back tomorrow. Yeah. And and have the the rest of your story told uh, as you got into Celebrate Recovery and, and eventually not just got into it, yeah, but, it. but you're leading it. Yeah. And uh, God's continued to do an amazing work in your life. Uh, but man, thank you for being so transparent. And uh, I know your wife, uh, she is an amazingly sweet individual. And so God truly did a work in your family. That's amazing. You've got a great family. So well, praise God, folks. Thank you for, for listening in to uh, Kingdom Culture Conversations today and look forward to returning tomorrow. And uh, we're going to hear uh, more from our friend Vincent McReynolds. Have a great day, y'all. Take care. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.